Well, it's been a great uh, joy and a lot of fun for me to study over the past month of December these songs that we find in the Gospel of Luke known as the First Christmas Playlist. And you remember, I've preached about four of them as we have gone along, all four. There was Mary singing the Magnificat, as it has become known, which is uh, a song of glory to God for uh, the gift that she received in a child and um, in which she um, lived out and born into the world. We heard Zachariah's song, which was a song of praise. He was a priest and he was giving praise to God for uh, having a son, but also a son that would become John the Baptist. We heard Simeon's song, uh, who blessed Mary and Joseph in the temple. Do you remember that? About 40 days after he had been born. And then on Christmas Eve, we heard the angels' song, that simple two-line song that is most popular of all. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those upon whom God's favor rests. But there's one more sermon that I'll preach today in this series. And you're probably wondering to yourself, wow, Mark, you've already covered all four. You're all out of songs to preach about, and maybe I should just close up and announce the benediction and go home. But there is one other song that I want to talk about in Luke's Gospel that has great power. I would say more powerful than all the other four that Luke actually writes down. And it is the unrecorded songs of Christmas, that first Christmas. I did a little research this past week. Did you know, and talking now about modern day, that that the music artist, formerly known as Prince, but then I think he became Prince eventually, who passed away in 2016, left over a thousand songs that he had recorded in a vault underneath his house. They were discovered in their fullness, of course, when his estate was being gone through after his, his tragic death. Uh, that is enough music for Prince to release after he is gone. One album per year for the next century, if you can imagine that. And of course, that went up for sale uh, for the cool price of $35 million for unheard music from Prince. Michael Jackson, 20, uh, 2009. Prince died in 2016. Michael Jackson, 2009, had all of his unheard recorded music put up for sale, and purchased by Sony, who was um, his last uh, publisher, for $250 million for the whole lot. And Michael Jackson uh, recorded, they think, over 50,000 songs in his lifetime. Those are the unheard songs of the popular pop icons of today and the last couple of decades. But what about that first song? We don't know what it was exactly, but we know who sang it. And we can call it honorable mention if you want to, that the artists were mentioned by Luke. But let's hear from these, or about these two, from Luke chapter 2, and it's in two different passages, verse 13 through 21. And suddenly a great company of heaven heavenly host, appeared with the angel to the shepherds, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace upon those on whom his favor rests. And when the angel had left them 
and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up in in her heart all these things and pondered them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which they had just been told about. And then the other passage of Scripture is about another noteworthy artist that Luke mentions, beginning with verse 36. There was a prophetess named Anna, who was the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple there in Jerusalem, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. And coming up to Mary and Joseph with their baby Jesus, at that very moment when Simeon had blessed them in the temple court, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And so today, uh, that is for us, the Word of God, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, if we could pray together, please. Oh God, may the song of Christmas ring in our hearts. But may we also be very willing and flowing and let it come out of us the whole year through. Lord, speak to us through these, your servants. Help us to be like them in faith and in love for you. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So if you haven't figured it out by now, the song that is the fifth on the list of the playlist is the song that rings across the ages about the good news of Jesus' birth. It is one that the shepherds went into Bethlehem to see about after they had heard and finding the baby there in the manger. They, they went and they told everyone they saw about it. They sang the song of the good news that had been shared with them by the angel and the angel's choir. Shepherds are interesting uh, people and interesting figures. In biblical times, they were, were considered uh, very low, lowly and uh, very dirty people. They were hired hands, often migrants, that would go and work for a sheep owner and, and lead the sheep and take care of them as they went to feed in pastures and meadows around Israel and Jerusalem. Um, They were not usually trusted very well, and yet God entrusted them with this beautiful message that they willingly went out and sang. And then on the, the other end, in the temple, in the place of God, not out in the natural creation, was Anna, who was a woman who, for most of her life, uh, lived there. She lived there in the temple and, and was taken care of by those who managed 
the temple, the priestly family, the priestly class, if you will. Anna was uh, one of, of many widows that lived in the temple. If you don't know about that, think about, think about the woman that Jesus used in as an example some 30 years later. It was his last week of ministry. He was in Jerusalem for the Passover, and he pointed to a woman there that was giving a gift into the temple treasury. Do you remember? Two small coins she placed in there which was nothing in comparison of all of the, the other men that came in, jingling their, their hands with great numbers of coins. And Jesus said she gave sacrificially and therefore is more blessed than the other. It was a place, the temple, where Jerusalem and where the, the Jewish faith would take care of the, the widows as was instructed to them in the Old Testament law. Take care of the widows and the orphans, the law said. And it was their way of providing for those women of faithful families who were not able to take care of themselves. Anna was one such. She spent her whole life there in that temple. What did it say? Fasting and praying and worshiping God. We can't help but think of of someone like her. In Psalm 84 where it's written, How lovely, O places... How lovely, O Lord, is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. My soul longs and yet faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy of the living God. Even the sparrow will find a home and the swallow a nest for herself there where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts. My God and my King, blessed are those who dwell in your house ever singing your praise. One such was Anna, a widow of advanced age who was there worshiping, fasting, praying, focusing on the things of God. And as she witnessed and saw what happened when Mary and Joseph brought baby Jesus to be blessed and consecrated, so she had heard the good news about this child. Well, there's a few things in common that these two artists have, if you will, and the shepherds and Anna both have in common, first of all, that they were poverty-stricken and low in status. Their culture that they lived in did not look up to them, in fact, disregarded them, and really gave no importance to them whatsoever. That was generally true for women, and still is in, in many places in in Middle Eastern culture, but if a woman did not have a husband, she had no way to provide for herself. And so she became a ward of the faith of the temple, if you will. And so she was given low class and really no, no status or no wealth. She would have been just someone that was at church every Sunday, but didn't really have an important role at all. And it's to her that God gave this message, this song about the good news of Jesus, about the redemption of Israel. Isn't it interesting that God times things as such that the right person that needs to hear the right thing at the right time appears. And when Simeon recognizes and acknowledges that this is the Messiah that Israel had long awaited for, Anna was there to hear it. 
She was low in class, and yet, yet she was attentive and listening. And then the shepherds as well, as I said, very low in their status and being thought of, really having no place to lay their head, no community to live in. They lived in tents and would go from place to place. Their families were disconnected. There was nowhere really that they would go to rest and lay their head except for a temporary dwelling that they would nomadically move and carry around. And so they had very little other than than what it was they could scrounge together from their shepherding job to be able to feed their families and to eat. It, it is to those that were poverty-stricken and looked over by the world that God gave the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. I find that interesting. I, I think that tells us and reminds us that we should be very aware to stop, look, and listen for the things of God in the lowliest of places. Do you think that's what this is saying? I do. I believe it. Stop, look, and listen, right? It's what we tell kids, what, when they're learning how to cross the street safely or how, how to, um, to be in a, a crowded place. Stop, look, and listen. We need to stop, look, and listen to those we normally don't pay any credence or attention to. How about that person when you go to eat at your favorite place that is a servant, basically, that brings you your meal, that takes your order, that serves uh, your drinks, and gives you what it, what it is that you need? You leave them a tip afterwards, hopefully, hopefully, generously. And yet, do you take the time to ask about them, to find out who they are and what's going on with them? Sometimes when I'm with other ministers or even with folks in our church, I will ask the, the waiter or the waitress, is there anything that I can pray for for you because I'm a pastor? You'd be surprised the answers that I get from that. I don't think it's so much because I, I offered to, to keep them in my prayers, but because I stop and ask what's really hurting your heart and what is it that is really on your mind right now that I can be concerned about. God shows us in the lowest and in the least of places where the needs are and where His Son, Jesus, would have us to look. If you're a parent or, or a teacher, for that matter, and you have kids that are just grinding on your nerves and you're just waiting to get through that day or that school year or until the next break or, or for your spouse to get home if you've got one coming home to help out with the kids or grandparents and you think to yourself I'm just not going to be able to put up with this anymore especially that one that just knows where my nerve is and how to pinch it stop and look and listen and say God God how is it that you would have me to see you and hear you in in this in this and then there's family members this time of the year right that we always we always have enough of or get our fill of until next Christmas or maybe Thanksgiving. And maybe God wants us to call them through the year to say, what's happening with you? How can I help you out? What's, what's going on in your life? I think God gave this message, this blessed message of good news to, to those that had very little to celebrate in life. And if you're feeling lonely or 
or just blah after the Christmas holiday is over and down. Know that that message is for you and it is one that, that is for all the world. The least and the lonely it begins with. These two artists that sang this song that we continue to sing today or are called to also had personal encounters with Jesus. Did you recognize that? Yes, the shepherds heard that in Bethlehem there was a baby born and, and they knew where that was and they, after the angels left, went and said to one another, we need to see and verify, is this really happened? What we were told by these heavenly beings. And so they went and they saw Jesus and, and Mary and Joseph, the holy family there in the stable, we think. And they were amazed, the scriptures say, at what they found, as were others that heard what they had seen. And so they had an encounter in meeting this Christ that the angels had told them about. What about Anna? She, by chance, maybe, but probably not, happened to come by at the right time, as I mentioned, when, when Simeon was recognizing this child as the long-awaited Messiah. And she heard that message about him, and she got excited about it because she knew something that others did not know, but also she had heard the fulfillment of what she had long believed and prayed to God for for all of those years. For the salvation of Israel, for the gift of his kingdom to come into the world anew. I love the story about the teacher in Sunday school. Sunday school teachers with little kids. See a few around here. Yeah, teaching them memorization of Scripture. Now that's not something that happens as much as it used to. I've shared with you before that I had to learn under the um, direction of our high school football coach at my home church, Jim Biggerstaff, that I had to memorize the 23rd Scripture and be able to recite it. Well, there was a little boy named Ricky who was in class, and he had a hard time memorizing things. You know, some people just photographic memory can read anything once and just spout it right off verbatim. I was not like that. Little Ricky was certainly not like that. And the pressure was on because not only was he asked to recite it, but in front of the whole church with his classmates on a particular Sunday, and he got up there, and the microphone was stuck in his face. And, and uh, after two or three kids before him had done it successfully, he, he stammered, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he finally said, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's all I need to know. And he had spoken truth to the congregation that day and preached a message that we all need to remember and to know that the Lord is our shepherd and that's mainly what we need to know. This Christmas story, this gospel message is of good news for all people and it is that God loves us and cares for us and shepherds us and even sacrificed greatly His Son upon the cross and miraculously brought into life that we may know life that is full and with meaning. These shepherds and this widow in the temple had in common that they had encountered the newborn Son of God 
Jesus Christ the Lord. Have you met Him? And have you embraced Him? And understood that this message is for you? Because if you can't get that in your head, you're not going to be willing to go and share that message with others and all of the world. Lo and behold, if, if that message ever quits echoing across history, the world's going to be a much darker place and we're going to be in a much greater fix than even we are now, I would imagine. The last thing about these artists is that the news they had heard and learned was so good they couldn't contain it. They went and shared it everywhere they went. They did it in different ways. Obviously, the shepherds probably told the sheep about it first. But I would imagine in shepherd communities and among their families, they told what had happened to them. And as Jesus grew in stature and lived in life, and decades later laid down His life, I think they knew. I think those they had told the story knew that that this was God's Son, and that He had come for them. The news could not be contained. It was so good, and it was so amazing to them because miraculously they had been visited by heavenly beings. Now, maybe you have not been touched by an angel. Maybe you have not had a sighting of God that, that just blew you away so much that you could hardly believe that it happened. And yet all of us, in some form or fashion, have encountered Christ in our lives. I imagine you're here today for that very reason. Perhaps because somebody told you and shared that good news with you while you were growing up in your home. Maybe it's because you had an encounter with, with darkness and with death. And, and the only light that you could see was that of God. And you reached out and called out and... And God touched you and connected with you. That becomes good news when it comes in our hearts and changes us. The very fiber of our being and makes us into people that we on our own could never become. Not perfect, but perfecting in God's grace. How about Anna? Hers was not as miraculous, was it? Her encounter with the Christ, and yet she heard a bit of morsel of good news that she wanted to share with everyone that came into the temple. I, I love it when people share the good news of faith. Whether it's by song like we've heard this morning or whether it's, it's by serving and providing a need for people in the community like through our food pantry or our thrift store. Whether it's um, by going out and sharing the gospel message with others of good news it's a powerful and an amazing and life-transforming thing, and it inspires me as a pastor to see others do it. It does. I mean, what if I were to come up to, to any of you as a stranger and ask you the questions outright? Do you know that everything that you've ever done wrong before and that you stay up and feel guilty about at night is forgiven? Or what if I were to add to that? Did you know also that all the things you worry about, that you can't control, you can let go of those and have a complete peace that you don't have now? And what if I were to continue to say, and 
not only that, but what if I told you that when you die, you actually may live forever instead of the dirt of the earth being your very last resting place? What do you think most people would say? They would think I was a multi-level marketing salesperson or, or someone trying to push something on them and, or maybe even asking for money. But it's good news, these promises of God that are given to all people. How is it that you can share in the coming year that good news with others? Is it to simply stop and to pray before your meals when you are with other people and invite them to do likewise? Is it to spend more time with your grandkids or, or kids focusing on faith and thinking about the things of God and sharing that with them? Is it, is it perhaps uh, supporting a ministry that is an outreach to those that do not know this good news through school or through mission work or something like that? How is it that God would have you to participate and be a partner in singing this song of the ages, the good news for all people. It's not one of judgment and it's not one of condemnation, but it is one of love. And we're called to go and sing it as if we are recording it for all the ages to hear. Well, at Christmas, we had a couple of family gatherings. And if you've got a lot of family, you probably did this. And there was the, the sharing of gifts and uh, the opening of gifts and there's you know all this paper and there's boxes laying in the floor and and whatnot and it's a whole mess to clean up right I've learned it's a good idea to have two or three trash bags before it ever starts and maybe some of it will make it there one year though I got in a whole lot of trouble at our house and I was the one that cleaned up the mess after the gift opening yeah I was just going through and getting all the the tissue paper and the wrapping paper and separating out the bows. We reuse the bows. I don't know about you. And the boxes, setting them aside for, for recycling. Put it all out in the trash cans. Took it out to the curb to be ready to be picked up on the, the day that was uh, our day for, for trash removal. And lo and behold, it happened after that that a gift of money that was given to someone in our family couldn't be found. Well, lo and behold, what do you think happened? All eyes turned to me and said, well, you cleaned it up, Mark. You picked up the paper and you threw it in the trash can and you put it out at the curb. All of the work that no one else wanted to do. And I was the one that got the blame. The money, did it ever turn up? Yeah, it did. It did. But it was a horrific feeling I had that I had thrown away perhaps the most valuable gift that someone had been given for all of Christmas and it could never be found again. Out at the dump, hauled away. And I want us to hear that the greatest gift that we have received this Christmas, whether you unwrapped it or not, is the gift of God's unfailing grace for you and for everyone in the world. It is this song that we are commissioned and called to sing to everyone that we encounter and to live out in the way that we treat others and all that we say and do.